0: One of the disturbing aspects around the whole gender identity debate and the push for gender affirming treatment for minors, in other words puberty blockers, wrong sex hormones and the castration of healthy body parts in young people, is that no dissent is allowed. You're labelled a transphobe. Even medical professionals are scared to speak up. Uh, And that was admitted in an article in the New Zealand Listener last September by Charlotte Paul, Emeritus Professor in the Department of Preventative and Social Medicine at the University of Otago, The Age of Uncertainty. And she opened the article with this statement. I am writing this article because my colleagues pleaded with me to do so. My younger colleagues, in particular, know they can't speak out because it could potentially damage their reputations. I'm a medical epidemiologist and my relevant background is in research on sexual and reproductive health, the safety of medicines and the ethics of research. My colleagues approached me because they're concerned about the rapid increase in the use of hormones to suppress normal puberty in children and young people who express discomfort with their biological sex. They're especially concerned that the grounds for accessing these hormones have widened greatly. How do we know this is doing more good than harm? My colleagues are seeing in their clinics young people who have changed their minds about wanting to transition away from their biological sex and who also have serious mental health problems that have been left unaddressed. They doubt whether there is sufficient psychological assessment for children with gender dysphoria before they are prescribed puberty blockers to help distinguish those who will remain transgender from those for whom it is a phase. They also question the capacity of children to consent to the intervention. They are worried about the lack of knowledge of long-term harms and benefits. And so are we. And there was also this article a month before the listener one, and it was on the newsroom site, which is not exactly a bastion of conservative viewpoints. So these are concerns being raised in New Zealand. But a whistleblower in the US has also now spoken out. It's an article which I highly doubt will be reprinted in our mainstream media. But you need to read and hear what it says. So let's have a look at it. So in a report by our friends at Daily Citizen, which is a new service of focus on the family, they write, a former worker at a transgender clinic is speaking out against transitioning minors, revealing what really goes on at these clinics. This appears to be the first instance of a transgender centre whistleblower in history. Jamie Reed worked for 4 years as a case manager at the Washington University Transgender C- Center at St. Louis Children's Hospital from 2018 until 2022 last year. And she's not a conservative, not even close. She describes herself in her article at the Free Press as a 42-year-old queer woman and politically to the left of Bernie Sanders. She she's currently married to a trans man i.e a woman. In other words, she's definitely not from the conservative camp by any stretch of the imagination. But she's speaking out, and in a big way. And Reed says that when she began working at the clinic, the center's working assumption was that the sooner you treat kids with gender dysphoria, the better. And treatment means prescribing kids with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, to prevent their normal sexual development and then begin the development of the secondary sex characteristics of the opposite sex. And I want to mainly read from this article to you, because as I said, you're not going to hear about it in the mainstream media, but it's important to hear what she has to say. She says this, I left the clinic in November of last year because I could no longer participate in what was happening there. By the time I departed, I was certain that the way the American medical system is treating these patients is the opposite of the promise we make to do no harm. Instead, we are permanently harming the vulnerable patients in our care. Today, I am speaking out. I am doing so knowing how toxic the public conversation is around this highly contentious issue and the ways that my testimony might be misused. I am doing so knowing that I am putting myself at serious personal and professional risk. Almost everyone in my life advised me to keep my head down, but I cannot in good conscience do so because what is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort, and what is happening to them is morally and medically appalling." And Reid adds that most of the patients who visited her clinic did not have actual gender dysphoria. Uh, Instead, most of the individuals treated were there because of social and cultural influences, i.e. because of a social contagion. She says, One of my jobs was to do intakes for new patients. Uh, When I started, there were probably 10 such uh, calls a month, but when I left, there were 50, and about 70% of the new patients were girls. Sometimes clusters of girls arrived from the same high school. This concerned me, but didn't feel I was in a position to sound some kind of alarm back then. There was a team of about eight of us, and only one other person brought up the kinds of questions I had. Anyone who raised doubts ran the risk of being called a transphobe. The girls who came to us had many comorbidities. Depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity. Many were diagnosed with autism or had autism-like symptoms. A report last year on a British paediatric transgender centre, which of course was a Tavistock clinic, found that about one-third of the patients referred there were on the autism spectrum. Frequently, our patients declared they had disorders that no one believed they had. We had patients who said they had Tourette syndrome, but they didn't. That they had tick disorders, but they didn't. That they had multiple personalities, but they didn't. The doctors privately recognised these false self-diagnoses as a manifestation of social contagion. They even acknowledged that suicide has an element of social contagion. But when I said the clusters of girls streaming into our service looked uh, sorry, when streaming into our service looked as if the gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion, the doctors said gender identity reflected something innate, and there are numerous heartbreaking stories that Reed shares, including the case of one of the doctors testifying in a custody battle against a father who opposed his child's mother's wish to start an eleven-year-old daughter on puberty blockers. And Reed writes, I had done the original intake call and I found the mother quite disturbing. She and the father were getting divorced, and the mother described the daughter as kind of a tomboy. So now the mother was convinced her child was trans. But when I asked if her daughter had adopted a boy's name, if she was distressed about her body, if she was saying she felt like a boy, the mother said, Well, no. I explained the girl just didn't meet the criteria for an evaluation. Then a month later, the mother called back and said her daughter now used a boy's name, was in distress over her body, and wanted to transition. By the time, at uh, uh, this time, the mum and daughter were given an appointment. Our providers decided the girl was trans and prescribed a puberty blocker to prevent her normal development. The father adamantly disagreed, and this was all coming from the mother. And a custody battle ensued. After the hearing, where our doctor testified in favor of a transition, the judge sided with the mother, and you can see the email evidence there. And Reed noted that she was motivated to speak out after seeing comments from Dr Rachel Levine, who is the US Assistant Secretary for Health appointed by Biden, who is a man who believes he's a woman. And Levine had said that, quote, clinics are proceeding carefully and that no American children are receiving drugs or hormones for gender dysphoria who shouldn't, end quote. And Reid writes, I felt stunned and sickened. It wasn't true, and I know that from deep deep first-hand experience. And she concludes her article by suggesting what she wants to see done. Uh, And she has since, I'll come back to that article, she has since brought her uh, details to the attention of Missouri's Attorney General. She says, he is a Republican, I'm a progressive, but the safety of children should not be a matter for her cultural wars. Uh, And finishing her article, she writes, Given the secrecy and lack of rigorous standards that characterise youth gender transition across the country, I believe that to ensure the safety of American children, we need a moratorium on the hormonal and surgical treatment of young people with gender dysphoria. In the past 15 years, according to Reuters, the US has gone from having no paediatric clinics to more than 100. A thorough analysis should be undertaken to find out what has been done to their parents, patients and why, and what the long-term consequences are. And she alludes to the fact that in the UK and Sweden and Finland, they are now pausing their services. Some critics describe the kind of treatment offered at places like the Transgender Centre where I worked as a kind of national experiment, but that's wrong. Experiments are supposed to be carefully designed. Hypotheses are supposed to be tested ethically. The doctors I worked alongside at the Transgender Centre said frequently about the treatment of our patients, we are building the plane while we are flying it. No one should be a passenger on that kind of aircraft. Uh, And Reid detailed the stories of several patients, including correspondence with other medical practitioners. She noted that young patients were often not fully aware of the potential negative consequences of treatments, and doctors at the clinic were quick to blame various symptoms on gender dysphoria. In one instance, a patient was put on bicalutamide, I think is how you say it, bicalutamide, a medication used to treat metatastic prostate cancer. One side effect is that it gives feminine features such as breasts to the men who take it. However, the patient experienced liver toxicity and was taken off the drug and the patient's mother threatened to sue. In another case, a 17 year old biological female was rushed to the hospital after the patient bled through her pad, jeans and a towel and it was later revealed that the girl had intercourse while taking testosterone, which thins the vaginal tissue. And her vaginal canal had ripped open and she was admitted for emergency surgery. Other stories in Reed's account included that of a young black girl with a history of drug use and an unstable living condition. When she was 18 she went for a double mastectomy. Three months later she called the surgeon's office and said, I want my breasts back. She said, the last I heard that she was pregnant, of course she'll never be able to breastfeed her child, Reed wrote. Here's a disturbing bit, but it's not really surprising. When she attempted to speak out at the hospital and push back on the protocols, protocols and medical diagnoses, Reed was given below average performance reviews and reprimanded by higher ups. During a company retreat, the doctors scolded Reed and her colleague telling them to stop questioning the science and their authority. Sound familiar? An administrator later told them to get on board or get out. While Reed revealed that nearly everyone advised her against speaking out, she chose to anyway. She said, What is happening to scores of children is far more important than my comfort. Well, Jamie Reed's decision to share her story is significant, and she has modelled true courage in speaking out. She's become the first whistleblower in the U.S. exposing the inside of transgender clinics, able to give the inside scoop of what really goes. She's the first, what happens? She's the first to speak out, but she won't be the last, thankfully. And the good news is that I just read yesterday, according to the Washington Post, Missouri's Republican attorney general on Friday called for doctors to pause giving puberty blockers and hormones to new patients at a transgender youth clinic. And it came a day after he announced an investigation into the claims made in this article. Here in New Zealand, we're currently awaiting responses to some official information out requests that we've submitted. It's time we focused on New Zealand's facilities pushing and enabling the medical abuse of our young people. And that's exactly what we're doing. And I'll put a link to the full article in the description section so you can. Have a read of it. Oh, and by the way, if you appreciate these McBlogs, please share them on your social media. That will increase our reach, our influence, and our impact.